0: Watch Podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Educator. For today's Beef Watch Podcast, we're going to have a conversation about the current state of the cattle market and the outlook as we move on to this fall and winter. To discuss this, I'm joined today by Dr. Daryl Peel, who's an Extension Economist at Oklahoma State University. Thanks for joining me
1: today. Yeah, it's great to be here.
0: Well, Dr. Peel, it's been a wild ride, I'd say, over the last year as we look at these cattle markets and It's got even more wild, I'd say, in the last few months here as we've looked at the run-up in prices, fed cattle, feeder cattle, a lot of demand in terms of the futures prices, and also just pretty good demand from a consumer side as well in terms of what product's moving for. As we look at the current state of things, help us understand the lay of the land a little bit, and what are kind of some expectations as we move on into the fall?
1: Yeah, you know, it, it it seems crazy already. We have had, as you said, a, a tremendous run up in cattle prices, particularly this year, started about a year ago, last part of, of last year. I mean, we've been in a general uptrend really since the, uh, you know, since the post-pandemic period, but, the, but it really took off, uh, you know, here in late 2022 through this year. So feeder cattle prices, for example, are running about 45% above year-go levels uh the big feeder cow that's the calves the big feeder cattle maybe about 40 percent fed cattle are running i don't know what the percentage is exactly but well above a year ago box beef is higher than a year ago and uh, retail prices are higher than a year ago so you know and and all of this of course is based on the fact that cattle numbers have been getting smaller for uh, several years particularly the last two years with drought liquidation Um, and now that's really starting to sort of come home to roost if you will in terms of the implications for beef production and uh, and for the supply-driven nature of this market as we go forward.
0: So obviously, a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of excitement. I think for some of us, we remember what happened in 2014, a similar type event. And then it it fizzled. And when it did, it fell pretty quickly. Again, no one knows the future. But I guess as you look at all the enthusiasm now, what are some things that might put the brakes to this?
1: Yeah, you know that's probably the biggest question I'm getting. I'm just starting to do quite a lot of meetings with producers and some lenders, and and obviously the big the big uh, you know concern or question right now is okay, we're here, we're at record levels or very near record levels pretty much across the board for cattle prices. So you know how much how much higher are they going to go is one question, but probably more important in people's minds is how long is this thing going to last? And so. Uh, and and as you said, we don't obviously know how the future is exactly going to play out. But when you look at the the situation that we're in right now, compared to that thing of 10 years ago, we had a very similar setup in some ways where drought had forced us to be smaller than we intended to be and needed to be as an industry. Uh, and we put together a fairly rapid expansion coming out of that drought. And the prices lasted about two years and then fizzled, uh, as you said, pretty quickly this time, I, it, there's a lot of similarities. The general setup is the same, where drought has made us smaller than we want to be and need to be. Um, and we are going to need to rebuild this industry. But the difference this time is that we're not trying to rebuild very fast yet. And in fact, we don't have the capability to, to, do, to rebuild very fast. Uh, when you look at uh, the number of females that we have liquidated and, and slaughtered the last couple of years, uh, so we're on a slower path this time, and we're in the early stages of it. We really haven't started any measurable uh, heifer retention or or herd rebuilding yet. So despite where prices are, uh, we've got a long ways to go, and prices are going to go a lot higher, and I think they're going to stay higher on a longer uh, plane of, of elevated prices than we had uh, the last time we did this.
0: So you mentioned boxed beef prices and also retail prices are are really high, and I guess, where do we start to see some resistance there? I I know I've heard you comment just on some global things, and I know places like Australia, they've seen a 30% pullback in beef prices there. There's some softening in Asian markets, I think, in terms of product demand, exports. What are some things that might move us into a little more slow pace, I guess, from where we've been on this rapid run-up?
1: Yeah, you know, the demand question is one that's been on our minds really for quite a while, just because we've been through so many, you know, sort of ups and downs and and uh, shocks in the market here the last uh, few years. Beef demand, especially domestic beef demand, has been and continues in my mind to be very resilient. And, and you know, uh, we just got the latest uh, retail uh, beef price series from uh, uh, postings from USDA, and uh, beef prices have actually continued to increase this year, despite the fact that, uh, um, you know, we're at, we're at record levels. And so domestic demand, I think is, is holding in there. Well, we still kind of hold our breath because, uh, uh, you know, obviously there are limits, uh, to some extent, but, uh, you know, the other thing that's happening this year compared to the last couple of years is that beef production is falling. Now. Uh, we, you know, we, we had record beef production in 2022, because of the liquidation not a sustainable thing but simply because we were sort of eating inventory this year we're starting to see the consequences of that where beef production is beginning to fall so as we go forward and we're going to see falling beef production for at least another couple of years and so there'll be less beef out there that alone will tend to make beef prices go higher it will ration it there's not as much beef out there so some consumers are not going to buy as much beef but but the beef that is consumed will be at generally uh, higher prices now, the uh, the international part of this, part of our total demand picture is the is the beef exports. And we knew coming into this year that we would back off from last year's record levels, partly because of the things we've just talked about. There's less beef, the prices are higher. And, and on top of that, from an international trade standpoint, uh, we've had a strong dollar for the most part. So those are all headwinds. And we are seeing some, some uh, pullback in, uh, in terms of beef exports that will kind of temper demand but I don't think all of that together changes the fact that beef demand is still pretty strong and we're we're still going to push these prices uh, somewhat higher as we go forward simply because we're going to be rationing a smaller supply of beef.
0: You mentioned our strong dollar and we do tend to import some grinding type beef from a number of countries, Australia, South America. I guess what, what might we see happen there just to think about Obviously these coal cow prices are extraordinary. I mean, we haven't seen things like this for quite a while and there's going to be demand for grind. Where where are we going to pull that from?
1: Well, yeah, we you know, certainly and the same story sort of works in reverse uh, from exports to imports. The uh the fact that prices are high here and the fact that the dollar strong makes imports more attractive uh, and, and we expected to see, and we are seeing, some uh, increase in beef imports to supplement our, our uh, declining uh, beef supply here, particularly that processing beef or lean beef market, as you as you mentioned. And so, uh, you know, Australia has been in rebuilding mode uh, the last few years. They suffered from a lot of drought and wildfire issues and other things, and they've been rebuilding. So they're, uh, we're seeing an increase in imports from, uh, uh, from Australia and New Zealand. Uh, partly because, again, supplies are more available, at least from the standpoint of Australia, but also because those two uh, typically export a lot of beef to China, and that market has cooled down. So they're looking for other markets, and uh, we're seeing some increase from there. Uh, our number one market the last few years has been Canada, and we're actually getting a little bit less from them, but they're they're still a, a strong supplier, and we're actually getting a little bit less beef from Mexico right now. So. Um, you know, but but all, all in all, we are expecting uh, to see a continued uh, some increase in beef imports that, again, are really driven by that ground beef market in the U.S.
0: From a producer perspective, thinking about cow-calf, stocker yearling operators, even those buying cattle to go on feed, how do you navigate this current situation? We got a lot of dollars out there when we go to purchase these animals and interest rates. I mean, we're looking at double basically where we were two years ago. So we, we've got more dollars going in, but we, we're borrowing money. We're also doing that at a higher rate. Uh, how do we navigate this and kind of manage some risk?
1: Yeah, certainly, you know, the input side of things is a challenge. And I think that's one of the reasons why we're, we're uh, you know, not seeing a really rapid move to aggressive herd rebuilding here, um, even though the, the, you know, the price side from a cow-calf standpoint and the market focus for the foreseeable future will be on the cow-calf sector. Trying to incentivize that herd rebuilding. Uh, But even for those cow-calf producers, higher cost of production uh, is still an issue, even though we've seen some moderation in some costs. Feed costs are probably going to moderate a little bit as we go forward. But we do have higher interest rates. We've got higher, you know, generally higher cost of production that kind of tempers uh, some of those revenue increases and, and it makes producers a little more cautious going forward for everybody above the cow calf level, stockers, feedlots, and you can take it through packers and retailers. All of those folks are are margin operators and it's all about buy versus sell. And and in this kind of market that we're in, um, you know, the the bottom end is coming up faster than the top end is is also increasing. Uh, And I see, you know, what that means is that all of the margin operations are generally gonna be squeezed going forward. Now the uptrend in the market, Solve some of those problems, at least for a while. So, feedlots, for example, have made pretty good money in 2023, but for the most part, we've been selling feeder cattle or cattle that were bought as feeders significantly cheaper. But as we turn those cattle over in the feedlot, the next turn of cattle is going to have a much higher uh, cattle cost. Now, we may see and expect to see some moderation in cost of gain, but nevertheless, uh, the margins are going to probably get squeezed with each turn of cattle going forward. Stocker people will face some of those same issues as well. Uh, and certainly the market signal for stocker guys is to kind of work on the light end of things. Buy them lighter and turn them over quicker because the market's trying to maintain beef production as well as possible. So it's sort of ramping up the intensity of the industry, if you will. And if you pencil out different sizes of cattle you can start with and different lengths of time you can own them, it's going to tend, generally tend to favor kind of moving, uh, again, lightweight and, and move them quicker through the system.
0: Dr. Peel, anything else you think you would recommend, especially on the cow-calf end, those who are thinking about marketing plans, not only for this year, but I think as we look to the next couple of years, thoughts around managing some risk. I think one of the things in my mind that challenges me, we think about the downside. How do we look at the opportunities that are available to us and maybe protect a profit a bit during these good times?
1: Yeah. You know, even though we've got a strong, uh, you know, uh, market situation we've had a strong uptrend at some point we'll, we'll you know certainly plateau this thing a little bit um and so but I think we're looking at strong prices for the foreseeable future but you can't ever uh, really ignore risk uh, at all levels I mean obviously we're still subject to a lot of external threats and that's probably the biggest thing out there would be some sort of uh macro or global uh Black Swan event. That could uh, really just impact everybody, including uh, including the beef industry, the cattle and beef industry, and so, cow calf producers. Uh, you know, you what you're trying to do strategically in this kind of a market is just uh, respond to the market signals, which is to produce and sell as many calves as possible. So, uh, you know, you're trying to you're trying to minimize uh, herd culling. Um, You know, if you normally keep your heifers for replacements, you want to be in a position where you can take advantage of selling as many of those as possible and not need as many replacements. Um, And, you know, if you're in a position where you're de-stocked somewhat because of drought or whatever, those are going to be a real challenge going forward. That's probably the biggest group that's going to struggle through this is is trying to get back up to full levels of production because uh, we haven't seen too much increase in you know, bread cow and heifer uh, replacement heifer costs yet, but I expect that we'll see a lot of increase in those as we go into next year in particular.
0: Dr. Peel, thanks for your time today. Appreciate your perspective on our current status of things and, and what's going on.
1: I tell you what, it's it's great to be here. It's going to be a, a really interesting ride going forward. We'll have a lot to talk about for the foreseeable future, I think.
0: Well, thanks again for joining me today. You bet. For more information on the work that Dr. Peel's doing there at Oklahoma State University, You can find him there. He's part of the Ag Economics Department there. And again, his contact information is at Oklahoma State University.